I'm so excited that I get the opportunity to, to minister here today. Um, it's truly a blessing and an honor to stand before the people of God on the day. If you have your Bibles with you, you can look at Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And it reads, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the Word of God, amen. The title of my sermon today is, it's an inside job. And if I was at Innovation Church at a predominantly black church and we weren't experiencing COVID, I'd tell you to touch three people and say, it's an inside job, it's an inside job, it's an inside job. But since I'm not, just think it to yourselves. It's an inside job. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and praise you and give you glory. We give you honor. You're amazing and you are holy. We thank you, God, for, for this moment in time, God, that you've given us, God, to be in the land of the living. We pray that you open up our hearts and minds to receive a word from you. Speak through me on today. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank God for, for the relationship that I've established with 2PC over the years. It's, it's truly been a blessing with the leadership here. Uh, Pastor George is, is, is a great, great man. I had an opportunity to hear him speak close to three years ago, and, and it blessed my entire life to see where God brought him from to where he is now. It blessed me, and I, I wanted to develop a relationship with him, and, and over the time, we developed a relationship, and, and it's truly been a blessing to me. And I pray that I bless him as much as he blesses me. He sent me a text about a year and a half ago when the, the murder of Brandon Weber took place in the Frazier community. He was murdered by the hand of, of the U.S. Marshals. And he sent me a text, not knowing all of the details, but he sent the text, and he said, this is my cell number. He said, if you need me, I am your servant. After you get through the funeral, I would love the privilege of having lunch with you. Blessed my life. Because many people during that time said, uh, we, we, we don't want to get involved. We don't know if this guy was, you know, a murderer. We don't know if this guy, so we don't want to get involved in this. We don't even, but he said, listen, I, I'm praying for you. I want to have a closer relationship with you. I am your servant. Whatever you, need, whatever you need, I'm here for you. And it blessed me. I want to talk a little bit about Micah. And in the seven chapters of Micah, he, he presents this true picture of God's almighty who hates sin and loves sinners. Much of, a, much of it is spent on describing God's judgment to Israel the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. This judgment would come because of Jacob's transgressions and the sins of the people of Israel. The prophet listed their despicable sins, including fraud, theft, greed, hypocrisy, murder, lying, oppression, injustice, and others. Two sins that, that, that Micah's message 
really includes this idolatry, which is perversion of worship and injustice towards others. Micah 4 and 5 is full of hope. But here in chapter 6, Micah pictures a courtroom. God, the judge, tells the people what he requires of them and recites all the ways that they have wronged him and cheated others. In verse 3, God says, my people, what have I done to you? What, what, what have I done to you? In other words, what, what, what's the problem? Have I, have, I, have I offended you? What have I done to you? Have I burdened you? Answer me. And he lists the things that he had done for them in the past and how he had brought them out in the past. And they began to say this. They said, with what shall I, I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves, a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with, with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Micah responds, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In order to do that, we must be changed on the inside. It's an inside job. An inside job is done, is done by, with the help of someone in a position within an organization or a group. Normally, it's communicated when something bad happens and it, it, it's thought to affect the outside, but, but it's really caused by the inside. We see evil things happening in this world today. So much on the news and, and CNN and Fox News, and we just see it all over social media, the wickedness that's taking place. And the evil that we see manifested on the outside is only because of the wickedness that's going on on the inside. I find myself in situations, because I, and I, I bless God for this, in situations where, where I'm meeting with or speaking with a murderer and a millionaire within the same day or the same week. And there's tension when I'm speaking with a gang leader or a murderer, the tension, because in the same community, he wants to commit murder on someone that wears the color red, or he want to commit murder on someone that wears the color blue. So there's tension in the inner city. I meet with my friends in East Memphis in Germantown, and, and, and it's tension with blue and with red, with Republican and Democrat, and we want to kill one another. We for far too long allowed the media to dictate the narrative for us. People on the far right, people on the far left. They don't, they don't, they don't speak for me. They don't represent me. I, I, I get my cues from the word of God. Our, our hearts have to be changed. When a pure inside job has taken place, something happens on the outside. A couple of things I want to share with you. Number one, we have to resolve to put Jesus above everything. In other words, it's important that we're sold out for the gospel. We're sold out for him. Not for anything, not for our political party, not for our race, not for our community, but we must be sold out for Jesus, period. 
Deuteronomy 10, 16 through 19 says, Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the causes of the fatherless and the widows and loves the foreigners residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Circumcision was an external sign that a family had come into a covenant relationship with God. But hard circumcision was a passionate commitment to God on the inside. Meeting the needs of orphans and widows and the poor and immigrants was a sign that Israel's relationship with God was not just formal and external, but internal as well. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, these people honor me with their lips, but that their hearts are far from me. Peter asked Jesus to explain a parable that Jesus said, and Jesus said, are you still so dull? Are you still so dull? Don't you see that whatever enters a man, that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are, are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hand does not defile them. It's an inside job. What's going on on the inside? I'm not talking about what we see on the outside. I'm talking about what's happening in our hearts. Tim Keller said in Generous Justice, because he talks about what justice is. He asked the questions. He said, why should we be concerned about the vulnerable ones? Then he simply says, because God is concerned about them. It's important that, that we do justice. God expects us to do justice. The word justice is the Hebrew term in Mishpat. Keller said, to walk with God, we must do justice out of merciful love. Their word in Mishpat in its various forms occurs more than 200 times in the Old Testament. In its most basic meaning, it treats people fair. Psalms 148, Psalms 146, 7 through 9, it says, He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widows, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. I called Pastor George last summer about, because I was frustrated with everything that I was seeing taking place in the nation. And I called several of my, 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 my white colleagues. And I wanted to have a conversation. And I wanted to know, are we having the conversation with our congregations? It's not about black and white. Are, are, are we preaching the gospel and in, in dealing with what's taking place in, in our nation? I, I, didn't, I didn't second guess what Pastor George was doing. Because he speaks the truth, and he speaks the truth in love. 
and you get offended or not, they got offended with Jesus. On, on, on each side, they got offended with him. I think if there's not that type of tension where people on both sides have a problem with you, then, then, then maybe something is wrong with, with our circle or something is wrong with that thing on the inside of us. I said years ago when we saw videos of unarmed black men being killed at the, the hands of police officers, when we saw that, well, not when we saw it, when we experienced it years ago, we, we understood that we weren't getting justice because you got this guy who has four felonies. There's no video. He understood. He, he, he's profiled all the time, so he get it. So when he get in court, no one's going to believe him. He understood that. But African-Americans thought that there was hope when people started videoing. So now we see the video. We see the graphic that's taking place. We, we, we're looking at it. So now we get our day in court. And we see it, and nothing happened, and we dismiss it, and we demonize the individual and say, well, he shouldn't have done this. And it's like, are you serious? To see what took place, George Floyd and Arbery, and something has to happen, something has to change. I don't have a problem when sinners do what sinners do. When, when, when the wicked do what the wicked do, what type of expectation do we have of them? But when the people of God don't do what we're supposed to do, that's what concerns me. I mentioned that some Christians and some predominantly Christians, some predominantly black churches, this is, this is the, 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 the tone. Many of them don't believe in the beliefs of Black Lives Matter and a lot of what they believe in. Yes, black lives do matter, but everything that, that, that comes with that, uh, we don't stand for. But, but it's, it's sad when on one extreme, they're doing the work that the church is supposed to be doing because they're fighting for justice. When the church is not fighting for justice and we don't need them representing what we should represent as the church. Are they getting it wrong? Absolutely. Are there some things that, that they speak truth to? Absolutely. The problem is, I'm not concerned about the problem. What are we doing? What are we saying as a church? But that's a problem. That wrong is wrong. Doesn't matter who does it. Doesn't matter. It, it, wrong is wrong. And we have to speak to that. We can't sit back and be silent and say nothing. John Piper said, and I think he said it, he said, it is baffling to assume that pro-abortion policies kills more people than the culture is saturated pro-self-pride. Now, he wasn't condoning pro-abortion at all. But what he was saying is that, man, it's, we have to be equally concerned about the sins in our country and not just be one-sided. All of it is wrong. And let's call all of it wrong. We got to be sold out. We have to speak to the issues and not just the ones that conveniently benefit us. 
if something different is going to take place on the outside, then something significant has to take place on the inside. Our hearts must be changed. The second thing is we have to be bold and speak to our circle of influence. I told our church, I said, you got to check your folks. You got to check your people. You got to check, you got to check your own people. We got to speak up. When everything was taking place, I got a text from, from Todd. And he said, as I went to prayer this morning, I found myself deeply burdened for you and your family in the revelation of yet one more example of our grievous sin against African Americans. I only begin to imagine the anger and sadness you must feel. I can only begin to imagine the feelings you have as you think about the safety, as you think about the safety of your own children. I'm so sorry. I will stand quietly with you in prayer of repentance and lament. Now, he said that, and when he said that, I was blessed that I received a text because I was like, man, where is the church? But I was concerned because he said these words. He said, I will stand quietly with you in prayer. And I think in this day and time, we don't, we don't need to just stand quietly with people in prayer. Then he sent another text, and he said, just to be clear. I am speaking loudly to my white friends about repentance and justice, not being quiet there. But that's what it's going to take. That's what it has to take. To where if there's injustice to one, then it's injustice to us all. And we have to lead the charge and not allow any secular organizations to lead that charge that we're supposed to be lead. If we are the people of God. had an opportunity to speak at Faith in Blue, and that was when police officers were coming together, and they were highlighting or celebrating families. And it's a national event of families who had lost loved ones, and they just wanted to pay homage to them who had lost loved ones due to violence. And it was predominantly African-American families who had lost loved ones due to violence. And, and our district attorney, Amy Wyrick, she, she stood up and she said, in front of the, the officers and in front of the families, she said that the problem that we're faced with in our nation, the number one problem is the family issue and, and the family structure, and that is the problem. And until we fix the family problem, we'll continue to have these things that take place in our nation. And I almost fell out. Not because I don't agree with her that, that, that there is a problem, but my concern is that in this setting, this is what you chose to say. In this setting, this was your lead-in. In this setting, you didn't address police brutality. You didn't address, you, you only spoke to the family issues as single parents mourn the loss of their seven-year-old children. When I spoke, I got up and I spoke about Latoya Lang, an officer who was killed as she did a, a drug bust, and she went into the home, and, and someone killed her. And I said, it saddens me that this take place. It saddens me that so many people, so many officers who we love, pull people over, not knowing what's on the other side of that tenant window, not knowing what's on the other side of that door. But they pull people over, and this woman did not go home to her family. 
It saddens me. Her life mattered. It saddens me to see that. And justice needs to be served for this woman, period. And I also said, what equally saddens me is when Philando Castillo gets pulled over in Minnesota and he's licensed to carry and, and an officer panics after he asks him for his ID and he's reaching for his ID and he kills the man. And the officer gets no time in jail. It saddens me. And we can go on and on with, with cases that, 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 that breaks my heart. But it's not one-sided. It's when justice is not served on either side, dialing the roof. Many of us remember a white young man who, who murdered nine parishioners in South Carolina. When he was stopped by the police officers, he did not go to the morgue. The police officers took a man who just killed nine parishioners, including a pastor. They took him to Burger King to get him something to eat because he said that he was hungry. I heard someone say that we don't, we don't, we don't, want, we don't want you to kill them. Just stop killing us. Michael Xavier Johnson, a black man who ambushed and fired upon a group of police officers in Dallas, Texas, killing five officers and injuring nine others. Because he was upset and, and, and outraged at what was taking place in our country. We have to speak to that. It was wrong, it was sin, it was evil. The same way it was wrong and it was sin and it was evil for Dallin Roof. The problem is that we don't, we don't address our people. I believe that's 90%, you know, good cops, but it's the 10% of cops that, that concerns me. And my, my, my major concern is that the 90% don't speak to the 10%. The 90% that's good don't speak to the 10% that's bad. The 90% that's, of people that's good in the community don't speak to the 10% that's bad. I told our congregation, we have to, uh, uh, we have to, to speak to our, and, and address and check our nephew. If he's selling drugs, we need to check him. If he's a robber, we need to check him. If he's a gangbanger, we need to check him. And stop pointing the finger, and well, the white man this, and the white man, we need to check our own people. Got to check them. Got to check them. At the office, we have to check our people. In the country club, we have to check our own people. Paul was not afraid to check people. He was not afraid to check Peter. Paul said, I opposed Peter to his face. When Peter was, was, was being a hypocrite and he was hanging out with Gentiles when the Jews were not around, but as soon as the Jews came around, Peter acted like he didn't know the Gentiles. I opposed him to his face. And so many of us are not opposing people to their face, and we got to speak boldly and say, I don't, I don't know what you think, but this is not that. This is wrong. And I'm not trying to fit into a party. I'm not trying to, 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 to get a pat on the back. I want to preach the gospel. I want to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's who I live for. I live for the audience of one. The last thing is we got to show the world Jesus. We got to show them Jesus. We, gotta, we have to show the world Jesus. As a body, I don't think we've been representing how he's truly called us to represent. Now, to be clear, I think this is an amazing church. I mean, I honestly believe that this is an amazing church. I have deep relationships here, deep conversations. When anything is taking place, we have transparent conversations. 
and people listen, which is so important. I don't hear people, I got that. Well, well, if, 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 the, if the blacks just get their acts together, then maybe we can. No, it's I want to listen to the plight that's taking place. I want to hear from you. And the progression that this church is, my God, it is, it, it is mind-blowing. I think this is a beacon of light in this city. Got to show them Jesus. Jesus gives the parable about the Good Samaritan. He talks about, we got we to we show them Jesus. It's a, it's a man that was robbed. He was on the side of the road, and the Levite went to the other side of the street and didn't address it. The priest went to the other side of the street, didn't, didn't address him. The, the church people, the religious people didn't, didn't even deal with him. But the Samaritan went to see about him, went to take care of him, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid for all of his expenses, and said, if there's anything else that needs to be paid for, I'll, any other expenses he accrued, I'll, I'll take care of that. Jesus said, do likewise. This is your neighbor. Love them. Do what this Samaritan did. Do likewise. Are we going to the other side of the street? Are we, well, this is not my issue because it doesn't affect me. Well, this happens in Frazier. Well, th- this happens in, 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 in Hickory Hill. Well, this happens in, in South Memphis. Th- this doesn't affect me. This doesn't affect my family. And we keep moving, or do we show them Jesus? Do we get in the game? Do we say, I'm going to get involved? I don't know exactly what to do, but I got to get in the game. God has called me. He's called me to be the salt of the earth. He's called me to be the light of the world. And I have to get involved in the game. It's so much racial tension, and we have to be bold. As a church, we must speak up. I went to pray for the young man. His family asked me to pray for him who killed Officer Lane. And I thought about it before I went to pray for the young man. And I said, I need to go and pray for him. When I went to pray for the young man, my prayer was, God, save his soul. God, convict him. Allow his heart to change. I didn't pray that he get out of jail. I didn't pray that, that they treat him right. I, God, save him. Touch his heart. Deliver this man. And it made news headlines. And I got a letter from a guy I don't know. Let me be clear. So in our church, we don't, we don't do emails. We, we don't, we, we don't, you don't send emails if you, if you don't like something that's said. So, so if, if you don't like something that I say today, don't send me an email. We can handle it outside in the parking lot. I'm just, we just don't, they, we just don't do them. So don't send Pastor George or even listen. We, we just, we can, we can go out. I'm just kidding with you. I love you all. And, and, and so the guy, you, you, how could you pray for this guy? You, 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 you have an, uh, 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 your congregation is, is, is uninformed. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't even respond back. We just sent a letter, not an email. I had also had an opportunity to stand with Brandon Weber, who was killed by U.S. Marshals. And I preached his funeral. He wasn't a saint. But I was able to stand with his family that was mourning, that needed Jesus. It was a very dark day, and these people needed Jesus. And I ministered at his funeral. Fifty people came to give their lives to the Lord at his funeral. But, 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 but the interesting thing is this. I not only prayed for the guy that killed the officer, I also prayed for the guy that murdered my brother. My brother was murdered, and I prayed for the guy. God saved his soul. And it was tough to pray for him, but I prayed for him. 
In our community, we feed our police because we love our police officers. So there's tension. How are you feeding the police off? Because we love our police off. They're part of the city. They're, they're part of God's plan. We'll stand with the Brandon Webbers. We'll speak the truth to love. In love. Period. So we get it on both sides. But we don't care because Jesus got it on both sides. And until we stop trying to fit in and trying to be popular and be politically correct and we don't want to offend anybody and we're not going to say and be bold and stand for Jesus, we'll continue to misrepresent who he is. He was bold. He stepped up. He stood up. He spoke up. He was the real MVP. And real MVPs, they stand up, they speak up, and they step up. And we are called to be the MVPs. We are called to speak up, to stand up, and to say something. I get ready to close. It was a Caucasian man that who was shot in Georgia. But before he was shot in Georgia, he had a he had a gun. And I think because of the pandemic that was going on, he lost his job. He was in the financial world, and he had a gun. He was waving his gun, and police officers surrounded him. And, and I saw in a video, it was blacks in the video that was saying, kill him, shoot him, shoot him, kill him. If it was a black man, you would have killed us. Shoot him, kill him. And he pointed the gun at the officers and they killed him. And what was on the other side of the phone was African-Americans rejoicing that the officers killed him. And it saddened me. Now, what they were rejoicing about, I don't think it was, we wanted him to die, but it's because they killed so many African-Americans, kill them. But it grieved me that this is where, this is what we've come to. Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that come from God on the basis of faith. So I don't care about what you say. I don't care about what you think. I consider everything that I've gained but garbage, but dung, so that I may know him and know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him, and that's what it's about. In order to get this done, the Holy Spirit is going to need to get on the inside so that something amazing can happen on the outside. It's time that as a church that we repent for not being sold out, for not speaking up, for not showing the world Jesus. He's called us to be the light of the world. We're the hope of the world, people of God. And in this season, and in this moment, they're not looking at the church anymore. And we need to take our place back in society. Well, Trump, well, Biden. Listen, they don't... It's about Jesus, and that's who I stand. Not a donkey, not an elephant, but it's about Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins, and we have to be the people of God and stand up against opposition, stand up against doubt, stand up against naysayers, and preach the gospel. Whoever it offends, it offended people. And we have to be willing to offend people, 
to offend church members that if you leave, you leave. Tell friend family members, tell friend your friend or your friends, if you leave, if you don't want to befriend me because I'm standing up for the gospel, then, then leave me. We have to be willing to take a stand and stop being just passive. Because these people, because the world, because this secular world is not being passive. They're being aggressive, and we've seen that. And what I'm saying is that we have to keep the same. If we had a problem with the rise that took place in the summer, then we should have a, a problem with the rise that took place in January. If we had a problem with the rise that took place in January, then we should have a problem that, with the rise that took place in the summer on both ends. And not, well, I understand that the blacks are upset and they right, but this is just outrageous. Oh, well, you know, I understand what took place on the Capitol, but the blacks, I mean, they're still doing it. Keep the same energy that you had for one issue for the next one. Let's speak up. Let's step up. Let's show up. Let's show the world Jesus and be the people that God has called us to be. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. We give you glory and we give you honor, for you are amazing. We just thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, that we get to be living in such a time as this. Help us, God, Lord, to not fade away. Help us, Lord, to, to not shy away, God, but give us boldness from your spirit, from your Holy Spirit to step up when we need to step up, to check our people. When we need to check them and to be the people that you've called us to be. You didn't call cowards, but you called soldiers. And we thank you that you chose us. Forgive us for not being that light. We will be the light, for you've called us to be the light and the hope of the world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.